Howard might have lost to Kansas in the NCAA tournament, but they proved a theory that I already had. Oh yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked on podcast network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked on HBCU your first listen of the day every day remember just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over no 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 means to look right down here at the bottom of the screen and follow me on twitter at south exclusives but if you're on the audio side of things don't forget the s on the end today's episode is brought to you by fanduel the official sports book of the locked on podcast network go to fanduel.com slash locked on today to make every moment more Coppin State men's basketball is going to be looking for a new head coach next year because by firing Juan Dixon, they are making a statement. They are sending a message. But let's look at the top of the MEAC. Let's look at the top of that conference at Howard, who they lost their first round matchup against Kansas. No surprise, but they did play better than the score would suggest. And even in this loss, I felt as if they proved the theory that I and likely many other people have. And that theory is that if HBCUs started with higher seeding, success would not be a rare occurrence. Seeing HBCUs play multiple games would not be a rare occurrence if we just started with higher seeding. I'm not asking for anything. I definitely wouldn't be asking for a handout. I understand that the way that they currently construct the bracket, HBCUs are going to be extremely low. Asking for anything that isn't a bottom two or maybe even three, but 14 is a rare occurrence at that. It's just not it's just not reasonable. Um, I have an idea. I'll probably say it about halfway through here on what we could do to make them have higher seating. But I'm not asking for anything. I'm just simply saying that if HBCU started not as a 16 seed, not as a 15 seed, it wouldn't be a rare occurrence to see them play multiple games. And I'm not talking about a first four and then a first round. I'm talking about a first and second, possibly even a third round game if we were just 12 and up just a 12 seed because I thought Howard showed that I thought Howard played well enough to beat a four seed a five seed a six seed now, I'm not saying they didn't play well enough to beat Kansas or any of the other one seeds I'll admit that I'm not trying to sit up here and campaign for them and say they did something that they didn't however they did play well enough to where you could see them compete there's examples that are even draw back to this but here's the thing I want to get one thing out the way because I think that a lot of the, I'll say blue bloods, a lot of the teams who are typically extremely high when it comes to rankings, their their team is typically a top four seed or whatever. They kind of look down at the smaller conferences. This isn't just Howard. This isn't just HBCUs. It's really smaller conferences. But there'll be the people who tell you HBCUs, Howard, small conferences, when they lose in the first round to a number one seed, they use it as proof. That all, man. See, they ain't ready for the big time. They ain't ready to play with the big boys. That is utterly ridiculous. 
That is utterly ridiculous. It doesn't make sense. First off, this is a 64-team field. I'm not even talking about the first four. Once we get to the past the first four round, this is a 64-team bracket. If you give me the whatever big conferences you want to pick and you take the best 64 teams, the best four against the worst four will likely be a very common occurrence that it happens the same way. Like, let's just be real about this. This isn't a 16-team field. The parity between 1 and 64, 2 and 63, 3 and 62, 4 and 61. You know how large that is? That's why it's an upset when a 15 knocks off a 2, when a 16 knocks off a 1. We call it an upset because nobody sees that coming. That's why we call these things upsets, if we're just being logical about it. So I don't think that this is proof of anything. This is not a proof of any preconceived notion. However, Howard's performance, Howard's ability to compete, that was proof of my preconceived notion that HBCUs could compete. But where does this idea come from? Why do I even believe this? And it wasn't because of Howard. Like I told you, it's a preconceived notion, something I already believed going in. And Howard's performance, though it was a loss, only confirmed this belief. It's because last season I saw TSU knock off Florida. I saw three HBCUs, three SWAT teams, knock off three Pac-12 teams this year. I've seen Grambling knock off Vanderbilt. It's because I've seen these teams. I know we can beat these group of five schools. I know that we can beat some of these lower-level SEC or, or ACC schools. That's, that's why I say this. Because when I look at their performances in out-of-conference games, I've seen Jackson State nearly beat a, a number three-seeded LSU last year in the tournament, if you want to talk about, oh, it's different when the stakes are high, I hear you. I genuinely hear you. Jackson State nearly knocked off a number three seed. Now, they were a great team. They were dominant. I, I understand that. But mind you, I'm talking about 12 and up. Now, the one way you could do it is probably saying automatic qualifiers have to be within a certain range. Right now, automatic qualifiers can be between 1 and 16. They can be between one and have to be in a, a first four matchup. TSU is an automatic qualifier, and they're not even in a 64-man bracket. So maybe if you say all automatic qualifiers have to be 12 or up, because there's 32 automatic qualifiers, and if you really just had the automatic qualifiers at the top, you really just had that, then you would be no lower than eight. If the first or you had to go through all the automatic qualifiers before you got to any at-large bids, then that would mean you would be eight at the lowest. I'm asking for 12. I think that's a bit of a compromise. That's right in the middle of eight and where a lot of our HBCUs land at 16. I think that works. But you know, I, I think that's something they could do, but they won't do. I understand how it goes. It's a, it's a whole system and everything. I respect your system. I respect how you pick the teams and the seedings. I'm just throwing something out there. You can't tell me that Howard couldn't have beat a number four seed with the way that they played. But matter of fact, Instead of talking about this theory, I proved that case. Let's just go ahead and discuss the actual performance of Howard versus Kansas, where things went wrong, and then also where they looked decent despite losing the game as we continue with Locked on HBCU. Before we get into that, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. You see it at the bottom of the screen. Don't forget about the QR code to our newsletter at the top of the screen. But FanDuel, you're looking at them. They are the official sports book. March Madness is here. The NCAA, the NCAA tournament, excuse me, is here. And though we don't have any more HBCUs involved, actually Norfolk State women's basketball is tomorrow. So after that, if they can pull off an upset, but we might not have any going forward till next year. 
You can still put some money down. You're still a fan of basketball, but maybe you like the NBA. You can put some money down there. Who's going to be the first overall pick in the NFL draft? Because the Carolina Panthers have traded for the number one pick, and now they have their selection of whatever quarterback they want. Bryce Young. If they're going to do a surprise and pick Anthony Richardson, maybe C.J. Stroud. I would also be shocked that they went with Will Levis. There's so many options, and there's only one place to put the money down on for it, and that's FanDuel.com slash on. If your first bet doesn't land, they'll give you a thousand dollars back that's a first bet no sweat just go to fanduel.com slash locked on and make every moment more And as we continue rolling with today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. For your second listen, make sure you're checking out the Locked on College Basketball Podcast. They're going to have the college bracket breakdown. I was actually a, a guest on there. I talked to Miss Stevens and we talked about the Howard loss that we're actually going to talk about a little bit deeper. And you can catch that on my profile as well. So just go to the channel click the video that's going to be right before the one you're listening to right now. It's going to seem like I put out two episodes yesterday, but one's a full episode, one's a five-minute breakdown. Make sure you're checking them both out, though. Make Check them both out, you feel me? Do that. But still, <laughs> I talked about how Howard's loss to Kansas, though it was a loss, did confirm my belief that HBCUs with higher seeding could compete against some four seeds, some five seeds. They're set up to fail against the number one seed, but that's just the the name of the game, when somebody has to be the 16th seed. No need to cry about it. But let's look at Howard specifically. Why would I say that? Because I think that Howard looked better than the score suggested. And this is not to tell you that Howard is neck and neck with Kansas, took him down to the wire, and they just so happened to build up this magnificent 28-point lead in the last five minutes. I will not tell you that. Listen, I love HBCUs. I love my HBCU. But I'm not going to sit here and lie to you just to build up the HBCU landscape. I'm not going to do that. So if you are expecting that, which you shouldn't be because you've been here for a while, I know. Y'all know how I get down. I'm going to be as real as possible. I'm going to be as straightforward as possible and not sugarcoat anything. I thought that Howard played well in certain aspects of the game. Defense just was not one of them. They could not stop anything I thought they gave up too many open shots they gave up too many offensive rebounds they just allowed too many chances for Kansas to do what they needed and a lot of their open shots were from three point and they were knocking them down you can't get into a shootout with Kansas it's just not going to work with you sorry that's just, that's just the realistic part of it Kansas is a team that has more is loaded more with talent right they're one of the best teams in the nation that's why they're number one right they're one of the favorites to be the NCAA tournament finalist or the NCAA tournament champion or make the final four. That's the team that you're facing. You can't get into a shootout, especially when you're not making your shots. Now, one place I thought that they looked decent was offense when they had time. The biggest problems that I felt the Bison had on offense was the fact that they had to deal with pressure and they couldn't convert. See, pressure made it to where Howard's already one of the teams that you have to worry about when it comes to protecting the basketball. Howard is just not great at protecting the ball. That's just not what they do. You know, they have some of the, I think they're third in the NCAA coming into this game with 16 turnovers per game. Just not what they do. Now, when you're pressuring them, when you're making them have to make quick decisions, it's going to lead to more turnovers. Elijah Hawkins had six turnovers in this game or seven. 
you can't have those type of mistakes. When you're 16 going against a one, you have to play pretty mistake-free basketball. But unfortunately, that just has not been the way that they played all year. They give the ball away. That's just kind of their Achilles heel, and it bit them today. So that was one way that they struggled on offense. And a second way they struggled was conversion. And what I mean by that is they had open shots. If I told you the amount of open shots that I saw Howard miss, you would be surprised for two reasons. One, they're a pretty good shooting team. Then secondly, you would think that they wouldn't have as many open shots against a team like Kansas. That's, that speaks volumes to me. The ability to get open shots, that speaks to coaching. That speaks to what they're, they're drawing up. When they actually got into their set, when they actually got into their set, they actually were able to get shots open on three. And they're a great three-point shooting team. That's one of the things that I highlighted going into the MEAC tournament about how good they were at three-point, whether that was Dockery, whether that was uh, Settle, whether that was Hawkins or Williams. Like, they shoot the ball well, but in this game, they just didn't. And that's what happened. You allow too many open shots. And when you got your open shots, when you got your easy opportunities, you didn't make them the way that you have all year long. Combine that with turning over the ball. Combine that with the pressure of the defense of the Jayhawks. That's just not a recipe for success. Defense, that's where they looked outclassed. That's where they looked weak. But Howard's ability to draw up open plays, to get open shots, to get a multitude of good looks, and the only thing was that they didn't shoot the ball as well as they typically do? That's why I have so much confidence in my theory to call back earlier. Most time, Howard is not missing those shots. Making those shots doesn't lead to them winning. I'll just be honest with you. But it definitely leads to a closer game. It definitely leads to somebody looking at the final score and being like, man, I definitely didn't think that Howard was going to be that close. Howard had the lead with 15 minutes into the game, right? Still in the first half. You might look at that like still the first half. Do you know the last time that Texas A&M Corpus Christi had the lead on Alabama? That was a number one seed going against a 16 seed in the 2023 NCAA tournament. When was the last time that Texas A&M Corpus Christi had the lead on Alabama? Never. At no point in the game did they ever have a lead on Alabama. Howard can say that 15 minutes, that's a good amount of time into the game. Nobody would expect that realistically. People are not expecting that. Howard had a lead on a number one seed 15 minutes into the game. Lead tied. No one's expecting it to be that close. This is not supposed to be a competition. This is one versus 64. This is one versus 16. The parity is different. It's not supposed to be close that deep into the game. Of course, the lead expanded and Kansas was able to start tacking on points. But I think we have to look at the fact that when they had time, when Howard had time, they did good. They did get good shots. They did have good coaching. They just didn't execute. And if that's one of your biggest problems, going against one of the four best teams, and you're supposed to be one of the four worst teams in this bracket, that's a good job on your part. Just knocking, not knocking down shots. I'll take that nine days out of the week. Nine days out of the week. I'll take that seven days out of the week. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that, but I'll take that, guys. Shy Odoms, to me, was the player who really showed out. I thought he looked the best. I thought he looked the most consistent. He had one of the better shooting percentages on the team, so... Shia Odoms, if he can continue this freshman of the year, he was the, he's the rookie of the year, and then he had a good performance in the NCAA tournament, and he can take that into next year, Howard's going to be scary. They're returning a bunch of people. Howard is going to be scary. Going from one team that has a very bright future to a team that has a very uncertain future, talking about Coppin State. They just fired Juan Dixon, so I have no idea what they're going to look like next year. 
But I will tell you this, in firing their head coach, they sent a message. We just need to decide which one they're sending as we continue with Locked on HBCU. Before we get into that, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar, and Juan Dixon has a good amount of time to eat his Built Bars. And Juan, I'm give you the hookup, man. If you just go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15, we'll give you 15% off your offer. I know them checks ain't coming as consistently right now. Okay, this, I'm sorry. Let me not play with that. Let me not even joke about that man's money. But if you go into Walmart, Juan, you go into Sam's Club, Juan, or if you just want to save money because you're a frugal man, I don't know you. Maybe you should go ahead and get you some Built Bars. Let me tell you about them. They're covered in chocolate. You have the built, buff, the built puffs that are covered in chocolate, also with marshmallow, so they're delicious. They have delicious flavor. I like blueberry when it comes to the original Built Bar, but then I also like the s'mores when it comes to the Built Puffs. That's just an insider note between you and I. That's what you need to go get. You can get them at Walmart, get them at Sam's, you get them at Built.com. And if you go to Built.com and you can use a little bit of patience, then you can have a little extra money for the next shipment that you're going to buy when you use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your offer. And as we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, let's be very serious about Juan Dixon. When Coppin State fired Juan Dixon just a couple of days ago, they sent a message, not a clear message, because I don't know exactly what they're saying, but a message was sent, and let's decide which of these two messages they're truly trying to send. Now, I Googled this because I wanted to see what statement, literally, the statement that they put out, the press release that they put out, after this, in the press release from the athletic director of Coppin State was, after fully evaluating the men's basketball program and performance, emphasis on those two words, program and performance, we, Coppin State, feel a change of leadership is necessary moving forward. Now, another thing that Google showed me is that apparently Juan Dixon's partner, I, I think wife, I don't, I don't know, there's, I found out there was a scandal involved. Listen, my bubble was so small. Apparently, this man is married to a real housewife. I don't know what it is. It might have been Pontiac. Uh, I don't watch the shows. I know Juan Dixon because he coaches at Coppin State. There's apparently a good amount of people who are talking about this story and know Juan Dixon because his wife is a real housewife. Now, of course, he had his own basketball career. I'm not trying to make him just a secondary figure to a housewife on TV, but I'm just saying, I didn't even know that this is this was a thing. So every now and then, just Google somebody. Just Google somebody, and they'll, you'll see some things. But on a serious note, when people talked about him, of course they talked about the, the reality show stuff. But then they also talked about the very serious accusations that he's facing of being complicit in a cover-up of sexual misconduct that was alleged against him just last year. Last year is in the end of 2022. Now, this is the serious situation. This is the elephant in the room, and this is why I'm not sure which statement that Coppin State is trying to actually send out. See, I first, the, the lawsuit, I knew about it for a while, but the first article in researching this that I could find dropped on November 7th. That was also the day of first, the first game of Coppin's scheduled, excuse me, Coppin State's scheduled basketball game. Now, when looking this up, the first article that I was able to find about the lawsuit dropped on November 7th. I had already knew about it, but I didn't know the exact timeline of it. The first article dropped that I was able to find November 7th. Coppin State's first basketball game was November 7th. Now, to me, 
that still says because you have to go through all of out of conference, you're not even close. You're still two months away from having in conference games, right? You're the first first game is November seventh. You don't have MEAC games until like January seventh. So you got two months before that. He could have been fired. He could have been suspended. Could have had some sort of action. There was nothing. He just went through the through the season. Now that's probably going to rub a lot of people the wrong way, and I understand why it would. But Coppin State, they could have been doing an investigation. Maybe they didn't want to make a decision too quickly. Maybe they wanted to gather all the facts. I do want to say that Coach Dixon, or Juan Dixon, I guess he's not a coach anymore, but Juan Dixon is not the person being sued or the person being alleged of sexual misconduct. He is being alleged of not reporting it. This is still a bad action, but I want to say that he is not the person who is probably the primary, I don't want to say primary suspect, they probably don't have primary focus on Coach Dixon. That also could have played a part into why it took so long. These are just parts of the story that I think are important to point out on the timeline of how these things happen. Now, the message could be, hey, we found that you were complicit. We found that you did not take the proper steps to actually report when an athlete came to you and said this happened. That could be what they found. And maybe they want to take their time and actually see what was what. Also, the university is being sued as well in the lawsuit. It's the university... Coach Dixon, and then also a former assistant coach, in addition to this, all around a player. I feel like they should have acted immediately, a suspension at least, an announcement of an investigate something, right? But they didn't. So now it leaves me to believe, leaves me to believe, possibly, that they just fired him because he wasn't winning. They didn't have a great winning percentage during his time there. Now, they did make it to the MIAC title just last season. Or excuse me, to the MEAC Finals. They didn't win the title, but they made it to the MEAC Finals just last season. But it that title run was a Cinderella run, right? You had a terrible regular season before that. You make it to the finals. It's like a whoa moment. And then you have a terrible season after that. And now you get fired. Now, maybe if he was mildly successful, maybe if he just had a decent season, they had a bad season this year. If Juan Dixon and Coppin State had a decent season this year and he was still fired, I would lean a little bit. I would say, you know what? Maybe they are saying that. Maybe they are saying they can't stand next to somebody like that. Maybe they are saying that he he didn't take the proper steps. But because he was so bad, it leaves the door open to choose this or that. Which one are they trying to say? They say that winning cures all, but he didn't win, so nothing was cured. He easily could have been fired simply for his record. He knows his win-loss record isn't great. He spoke about it when talking about interviewing for other jobs. He said, my win-loss record is not great. That's not what pops off the page for me. So because of the accusations and the allegations in this lawsuit against Coach Dixon, because Coach Dixon just didn't have a great win-loss record, because of all of these things, I do know that the university, I do know that Coppin State is sending a message. But I'll leave it up to you. What message are they trying to send? Are they trying to send we will not stand next to a coach who didn't take the proper steps in reporting sexual misconduct? Or are they saying we will not stand by a coach who is not getting us the wins that we feel like we need? So really, is it about the program or is it about the performance? It's a little in between area strictly because he was not that good this year. I'll leave that answer up to you, though. And I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day, every day, all week. Y'all know where to go if you need me still, at South Exclusives on Twitter. But listen, 
For your second listen, make sure you guys are checking out the Locked On College Basketball Show. It's the college breakdown, bracket breakdown, all the March Madness in one spot in 30 minutes or less. Check out Isaac. Check out Andy. They're putting up great work every day, so make sure you're checking them out. In the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care. Stay blessed. Peace.